0: Good morning. We've been gone for about two weeks having a staycation, Christine and I, and uh, we missed you guys. Uh, We had a joy of uh, going to some other churches in the area just to kind of sit and enjoy on a Sunday morning, Uh, but we missed being here. We missed being with you. I think it's very interesting that that first candle that's getting short is is the candle of hope. Also, what's happened is absolutely nobody's going to listen to anything that's said today. (laughs) Right? Because we're all just going to be, I'm going to be standing here just staring at that candle. It's, (laughs) It's just trouble. We just continue our series. We're talking about just a journey through Christmas and some of these individuals in Scripture that we see that are going on these great travels. Today, I get the joy of talking about Mary and uh, we begin our text in the, in the book of Luke, chapter 1. And uh, this is the story of that angel that came and communicated to Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Boy, wouldn't it be great if an angel just said that to you? Right? What a wonderful thing to be said to us, you know? I like your hair, I like your glasses, all of those things. His kingdom will never end. That's a great statement too, isn't it? The kingdom is not in trouble. This was her question. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? I'm thinking in this whole discussion there's more, there's more conversation than, that's not written down. Because if I'm Mary, I've got a list of questions. She's got one, at least one that's written down. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And this is Mary's response, this Mary's journey. I am the Lord's servant May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the example of Mary. We thank you for the example of a a young woman who just is willing to say yes to God. Is willing to adapt, to adjust her life to be a follower, to truly follow you. So Lord, would you teach us this holiday season, maybe a little bit more what it looks like to place our lives in your hands. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know how many of you are traveling this holiday season. Uh, You know, we, we used to come into the United States when we lived in Eastern Europe, probably every second to third year during the holidays, uh, there was about that time that the grandparents were really jonesing for the kids, right? And and uh, it was a lot of driving. I don't know how many of you are doing a lot of driving in the next three weeks. Well, not too many of you. And anybody going on flights? Anybody flying? This is the best time of year not to fly, by the way. The Best Time of Year Not to Fly. And as I was thinking about this, this theme, this journey to Christmas that we've been going on as we've reflected upon Jesus' journey to earth, as we reflected upon Joseph and his place of, of, uh, of following after the will of God in his life, as we've looked at Mary today, I thought about all the flights that I've been on in my life. We, we as a family have flown a lot. Right, and and I've gotten a few things that uh, that I've just kind of become comfortable in doing over time. There's certain things that I like to do. I like aisle seats. I don't understand people who want to be by the window. I know you like leaning against the window and looking at things, but aisle seats are the best. Aisle seats over the wings, by the way, they're they're considered the safest place to sit. Also, the back of the plane. I don't know if you knew this. It bounces. Anybody know this? Right, when you're flying, the back of the Back of the plane bounces, so if you have a little queasy stomach, get over the wings; it's a little bit better. So, aisle seat over the wings. Also, before I get on the plane, buy a sandwich. Right? You just buy. I don't know if you like airport food or airplane food. It's not great. It's not great, and you just kind of a, you're kind of gambling what you're going to get. So, buy a sandwich. In fact, there's a great bagel shop at the international terminal in in, in O'Hare. Um, I always get a bagel sandwich before I get on, and and so many travels that I've been on over the years—some good, some bad—I've seen it all. I've seen the crazy people, I've seen the sick people, I've seen flights. I've I've uh, I've sat on the tarmac for three three four hours at a time. I've slept in airports—they're horrible to sleep in, right? I've argued with people. I've been brought into the back room and interrogated. But it, one thing amazes me. My normal posture is I get on the plane whenever I get on. I don't worry as long as I get some leg space. I get into my aisle seat. I put on noise canceling headphones. I usually wear a hoodie. I put it over my head. And before the plane even takes off, I fall asleep. It's the best way to fly, right? The best way to fly is to sleep through the entire thing. It really is. Uh, some of you, you enjoy flying. I, I just think you're a little psychotic. <laughs> I, I'd like to fly, fly, but airplanes, I just don't get it. I just tolerate them. But I'm amazed at the early years, it was all really exciting, you know, these taking off in these different environments and, and uh, things that are going on. But after a while, I became numb to it all. I became used to it. So much so that even in storms I would fall asleep before I ever took off. Now imagine this. A 737 fully loaded is a hundred tons and it flies. And and it's filled up with some of the most flammable liquid in the world. <laughs> that when that that liquid evaporates, it, it's gonna explode right? That's just, that's what it's made to do. And I fall asleep. What is that? What is that trust that we can have in something that absolutely doesn't make any sense? Like I understand how a wing is made. I have no idea how this thing flies. I don't understand the propulsion. I I, I know we have some pilots in the room. You guys could come up, you could explain it to us, but we would probably still not understand. But we're kind of at peace with the process. There's so much of our lives that we truly just don't understand. Yet, for some reason, we are able to trust. I am amazed at Mary's ability to trust something she does not understand. There was no sense of, oh yeah, this has happened to somebody else, so I can go to them and find out. This has never happened to anybody else before Mary. And it has never happened since then. A virgin would give birth to God. It's overwhelming. And yet her statement, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Just to simply say, all right, whatever you want of my life. The journey that we go through in this life of faith is this journey of consistently saying, I'm going to take this life, however it is, and I'm just going to give it to God. That's what faith is. Sometimes we think that faith is just a generic idea or a term. Like, how's your faith? Or what do you have faith in? But reality is, it is an action that happens in our lives every single day. where We just learn to trust God. And Mary understand it, understood a deep sense of trust in something she just did not completely understand. And that's all of our lives, isn't it? The timing of the situations we go through and the conflicts we go through and the loss that we go through, the circumstances of our government and the circumstances of just our community, we don't understand them, but just to be able to trust in God. And today I'd like to talk about our own journey of trusting God, our own journey of faith. Looking at Mary, we see some really essential components in just that phrase. The the idea that she's willing to be a servant of God. So today we're going to be talking about these aspects of submission, Self-denial and obedience, all that we see in the life of Mary. First is submission, which is defined the action or fact of accepting or yielding to a superior force or to the will or authority of another person. Submission is a part of all of our lives, whether we like it or not. And Mary saw herself as a servant of God. Mary understood her relationship with God. She lived out a life of purpose, and that is whatever God wanted. There were no conditions that she set forth for God, like, okay, I'll carry this baby if. There were no expectations that she set before God that if everything goes this way, then I will do this. She simply said, okay. It is easiest when... What God wants for our lives is also what we want for our lives, but guess what? That intersection doesn't always happen. Sometimes what God would have for our lives is very different than what I would want for my life. I would have loved to have retired around 35. (laughs) There's a lake house on Zillow that's going for about 7.9 million right now. I think it 's inflated. <laughs> our intersections are not always the same as god 's intersections, but I want you to te- I want to tell you that when we submit to god 's way it 's always the best way. Submission needs to be a part of all of our lives, and we don 't really know much more of of uh, mary 's response. later, she has this Song that she sings, which is called the Magnificat, where there is some sense that she takes great pride in the opportunity. She's she thinks it a great honor, so she enjoyed this news that was brought before her. But submitting to God for her is just as important as it is for us. First Peter five: humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's interesting, that passage I've preached many times, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I don't often spend much time in the verse before it, which challenges us to humble ourselves, to take a posture of submission. Uh, I grew up with my cousins, in fact, one of my cousins lives close, I told you about my cousin Scott, and he and I were the punching bags of our older brothers. How many of you were punching bags? Anybody? Welcome. How many of you were the other guy? All right, you guys can leave. But there was one move at the end of every wrestling match, everything kind of ended the same way. It was the arm, the chicken wing behind the back, right? It was the twisting of the arm with the face usually pressed against the carpet in which my cousin John or my brother Mark would say, give up, give up, right? Scott was really flexible, so it took him a long time to give up, right? And he'd just just be pressed down, that wing behind his back, give up, give up. And inevitably, eventually, you give up before the arm breaks, Uh, And then immediately, Scott or I would pop up and say, my fingers were crossed, and right back at it, right? (laughs) Here's a truth about God in our lives. He doesn't twist arms. Sometimes it feels like it because we go through hard times. That's the world. It's not him. He doesn't come to twist your arm to submit. He simply offers his love that our response is to submit to. He doesn't come in to, to force us to this. This is our choice. But submission is a part of all of our lives. Authority is a part of all of our lives. There's this story of Jesus' uh, experience with the centurion who is a Roman soldier from Romans chap- uh, uh, Luke chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum, There, a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick, about to die. And the centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with him. Say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd, following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. And the man who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant. Well, what was the component in the centurion's life that Jesus found to be of great faith? It was truly the fact that he understood the power and the position of Jesus. All you need to do is say something. You don't even need to come here. Everything will be taken care of. Jesus' response to Centurion, he understands authority. He understands authority. You see, Mary could trust in the plan of God because she understood God is in control. I can can be in this position because God is in control. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, expresses who Jesus is in a really beautiful way. And I think this passage right here teaches us, I can trust Jesus with my life. Now if you are like me and you sometimes struggle with submission, you struggle with authority, there is nobody who deserves our submission more than Jesus. Every atom in the universe, according to this passage, is being held together by Jesus He created everything, and everything was created for him. He's somebody we can trust. Our culture does not completely understand submission, maybe like other cultures are. In fact, I think our culture actually celebrates our rebellion. If we were a rebellious people, we don't like our government, let's throw some tea in a harbor and let's take care of it. Right? And we love our autonomy. I love my autonomy. I love freedom, right? But life is full of authority that we need to submit to. And here's the thing. Jesus took the lowest place and he served all. That's a big challenge. So, How can we do this? How can we submit? When it's hard sometimes. Part of this is just saying, I trust Jesus. Mary had a level of self denial. How are we doing? (laughs) I'm good. Mary had a level of self-denial. She was willing to put herself into a position that changed her plans. I love plans. How many of you are great planners, right? I I love a good plan, right? Often to serve and submit to Jesus means that there's some self-denial. Jesus said this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, Take up their cross daily and follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. That is a passage of self denial. That is a hard passage. Understand this passage was given significantly before the death of Jesus Christ, and he still brings in the concept of the cross. There is a death component of self when we serve Jesus. Our life of faith is self-denial. Mary was preparing to get married. She was probably 13, 14 years old. Joseph was probably much older than her. But she had a plan to get married. You have to understand this could really change a lot of things for her. What would people say? What would Joseph's response? She still had no idea an angel was going to talk to Joseph here. She had no idea what this would mean for her. She could be be considered a woman who was pregnant even before she was married. And in that culture, you could be stoned for that. You would be rejected. She was simply saying, I'm going to trust God in this. There was a high level of self-denial. Now, in everything, there are extremes, and I think the church at times even goes into extremes of self-denial. There were some, some years in the church's history in which there was this concept of asceticism that was really popular, which was the sense that you would have to completely deny all self, even to the fact that you would have to deny flesh and, and bone. And, and so the whole idea was suffer for the purpose of suffering and somehow to bring in submission this body that was the problem. But essentially asceticism overshoots the whole thing. Self-denial is about putting God's desire above our own. It's about putting God's desire first. And over time, the beautiful thing that happens is when his desires become our desires. No longer am I completely fighting with God every time he desires something out of my life, but I start recognizing what he wants is really what I want, too. It doesn't always happen, but it's a beautiful thing when it happens. A lot of our relationships are transactional and characteristic. Our friends, the people we spend time with, our jobs, even the sheets that we sleep on our bed, it's transactional. If you are comfortable sheets, I will keep you. If you pay enough, I will keep you. If I have a good enough uh, boss, I will stay, right? And everything seems to be transactional in characteristics. What's in it for me? Mary did not start with that. What's in it for me? What do you want, God? What do you want of my life? How do you want my life to affect culture? How do you want my life to really make a difference with my family? How can I serve? Lord, I am your servant. Whatever you want was her response. So, homework. Everybody like homework? This is the only time in class everybody wakes up. Oh, I've got to write that down. (laughs) I'd like you to do something for me. You don't have to report back. You don't have to write it down. I want you to consider something for this week. I want you to take a single day. Pick a day that it might be easiest for you. Pick a single day and do every effort to serve the people around you so that nobody knows, so that nobody sees it. Just serve for the purpose of service, doing things you don't want to do, right? So you go to work. And you go to the bathroom and you you go to that first toilet. We all do it. We open up the stall, see if it's acceptable. Right? And that first one you open up and it's unacceptable, go clean it. And then go to the other one. And nobody will know. Right? That's self-denial. Right? Do the dishes. Do the dishes even if you don't like doing the dishes. Right? Even if it's not your task. Do the things that you don't like doing just to serve someone else. Get that coffee started in the morning. Right, Get the kids up even though the other person usually does it. Right, Get there early to your class and just straighten up the room. Why are we doing all of this? Just to understand I am here to serve. Not so that other people can see it, but that God may see that I truly am a servant. So submission, service, and let's finally talk about the hardest one. I think the hardest one across the board, and that's obedience. Right? To truly obey God's desire for our lives i want to read two passages that I think are really connected. The first is Romans 8.28. We love this passage. Come on, this is a good one. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. That's a good one, isn't it? How many of you have memorized that one in your lifetime, right? God will work together for good. All of these hard times I'm going through, all these difficult times, but God will work together for good. There is a caveat there. Did anybody ever notice the caveat, the little thing that's added on, right? And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. I love Jesus. Worship, it feels like worship is about love, right? Oh, man, I love you, Lord. And some people, we just raise our hands, right? i We, we went to a couple of different churches in the last two weeks and, and we were standing there and worship starts and i kind of started looking around like should i ra- can i raise my hands in the room right some churches they don't raise their hands very much and i looked around and nobody was raising their hands and christine standing there like this and i'm like well, okay i can i think that's an expression of love but the, the passage that i wanted to add on to romans 8:28 is john 14:15 says that if you love me you'll keep my commands Well, that, that caveat becomes a little stronger then, doesn't it? All things that God will, will put all these things together for good for those who kind of take out love him and put keep my commands. Oh, but I, I love the grace component of the church. I do too. I do too. I love grace. But let me tell you, when I disobey God on a regular basis... Not everything comes together for good. Right? I can do stupid things, and it all comes together for bad. God does have a way of bringing it around, and praise God for that, that his grace is there, and he has a way of changing all those things that Satan meant for bad. God can make for good. But obedience is much easier. Mary, just simply say, yeah, I'll do it your way. When's the last time you did it God's way? I asked myself that question this week because I can do the Christian lifestyle and still do everything my way. What gratifies me? It's easy for me. What feels good for me. But God's way. It's the best way. But here's the thing the obedience component is a whole lot easier if we're living a life of submission and self-denial. It's really hard when we're not doing that. If you're just said you need to obey to obey, it's really hard when your boss or somebody around you starts barking orders and you have no submission to them whatsoever. Like you may do them, but your heart's not coming with it. How many of you have ever done a task at work and your heart's not in it? Yeah, absolutely. But obedience is a whole lot easier when we're in submission and self-denial and saying, my life, this is the summary of all of this, my life is in God's hands. All of it. Maybe the most important journey we'll ever go on. A life of faith that says, My life is yours, Jesus. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We've got a lot of candle left. (laughs) Worship team's just going to start playing. We're going to stay seated. Sometimes it's a little easier to be in a prayerful posture when we're seated, and I'm going to I'm going to, in just a moment, I'm going to read a few questions. And I would like you to do what's the word for it? inventory. I like you just take a moment of inventory in your life. I think it's really important to take inventory once in a while. What's really going on in here? What's really going on in here? And I think taking a moment in our service today to take inventory in these three areas, submission, self-denial, and obedience, and really ask God around these areas of our lives. So if you just take a moment, close your eyes. First question, what area of your life what area of your life is not in submission to God it could be a relationship it could be a romance it could be dreams that you have for your life even hurts that you've held on to for a long time. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's just your pain. So again, what area of your life is not submitted to God? self-denial? What area of your life is more important to you than God? Maybe it's your hobby, entertainment, your security, your appearances, what other people think of you. what has become more important to you than God? Now to obedience. In what areas of your life have you been willfully disobeying God? what area of your life have you been willingly disobeying God? what change do you believe that the Holy Spirit is asking you to make? Not the change that you want to make. What change is the Holy Spirit asking you to make today? Would you stand with me, please? Prayer team is going to come forward, and we're going to end in a song. Do you know that Jesus lived a life of submission? Philippians tells us He had the had all power of all the universe, and yet came down, became a baby. took on flesh, man. He submitted to the cross. He denied himself. Had no place to sleep. Didn't know where his next meal was going to be. Simply was a servant. He was an individual who was in complete obedience to God's desire for his life. Today as we sing it's our desire, it really, is our desire to become more like Jesus. And ask Pastor Mark to come and stand. We have a prayer team off to our left here. If today during our worship time, or even just after, if you would like somebody to pray with you through some circumstances in your life, that's what we're here for. You, as as your church, to pray with each other for your needs. And so, please feel free to slip forward. Some. Let's worship the Lord together.